Well, good morning. Welcome to Shelby Christian Church. We're glad you guys are here this morning. Hey, we want to welcome in you guys that are joining us online as well. Thanks for being here this morning. We're glad you guys are here. Uh, just a couple quick announcements, actually three or four announcements. Um, we're right around the corner from February, so uh, we'll have our daddy-daughter dance night coming up in mid-February. Also, there's a, a sweetheart uh, dinner in the middle of the month. Next month, there are Information and tickets, sign-ups for those back in the back. Also, we're still signing up ladies for the Fresh Grounded Faith Conference coming up in early March. And then also, uh, if you are a part of the Day of Unceasing Prayer, that starts at midnight tonight as a reminder again. So you guys that are on that should have already received email from Dave about that. But that starts at midnight tonight. So I wanted to remind you guys about that as well. Hey, again, thanks for being here. Would you guys stand up and let's worship this morning. Church, together. Just one word, you come this storm that surrounds me. Just one word, the darkness has to retreat. Just one touch, I feel the presence of
There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise. Let all agree. There's no power like the power of Jesus. I will believe for greater days. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise. Let
seat. We're going to enter our uh, time of communion this morning and here in a second after I pray, you guys are welcome to come up and grab your communion at one of the stations and take it back to your seat. I was uh, reading this week in in Romans uh, chapter 4, Paul's talking about Abraham and he's explaining that Abraham had this incredible faith and because of that faith, even in the midst of uncertainty when God says, hey, Abraham, you're going to be this father of, of this great nation and you're going to have many descendants. And Abraham at this point in his life is, is he's a hundred years old and his wife is, is older. And so they just find that really hard to believe. But Abraham had faith. And, and then Paul wrote these words in Romans chapter five, verses one through five. I want to read this together this morning. He said this, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully Look forward to sharing God's glory. 
We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us. Because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Would you guys pray with me? God, thank you for that reminder that because of what you've done through Jesus and the cross and the sacrifice for us, that then in return there is a response from us to that incredible action. And the response is a faith in you. And your word promises us that your, our faith in you and in Jesus will carry us through. Will develop character. Will strengthen us in dark days and in bad times. And so God, this morning we are thankful that we worship a God that's made a way for us. Through Jesus, through this life and into the next. And so, God, this morning as we gather to take this communion, maybe we, may we be reminded of that. Jesus' sacrifice that paved the way for us so that we could have hope. It gives us faith to love others and to love you like you've called us. We thank you for today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
worship you. I worship you. You are here working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. Cause you are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Yeah, you are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Would you stand? You are here, touching every heart. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, healing every heart. I worship you. I worship you. You are here. Turning lives around I worship you I worship you You are here Bending every eye I worship you
City make some ways this year, haven't we? Haven't we? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I'm glad you guys are here. Uh, I'm glad for all the people I've been able to uh, chat with online so far this morning who are worshiping with us, and I encourage you to keep doing that. Those of you guys that are on our online campuses, that you'll uh, stay engaged with us that way, and we love that. If, if you don't mind, type in there, let us know where you're worshiping from so we can uh, stay in touch with you that way. Um, if you are here for week two of this series, fantastic. In other words, you were here last week and you're here. If you weren't here last week, I really, really want to encourage you to go home this afternoon uh, and to get online on the website, shelbychristian.org, and just look in the archives and watch last week so you kind of get the framework for everything and to stay with us uh, for the next couple weeks as well. Uh, also, uh, we, we keep getting some folks that uh, were here like the first two weeks of the year when we did the uh, first step of Pathways. And if you were here and uh, wanted to, sign one of the membership covenants say you're in if you're already a member you don't have to do that Uh, but if you're not and you wanted to they're still on the communion tables you can fill these out uh, and drop in the offering plate and the the next pathway series uh, in february the signups are already out for that so you can find that online uh, as well so this is such a timely and uh, critical uh, critically important series i believe And and it's been kind of a a, a unique week to start this off. Um, we've had kind of a historic week. Uh, we started Monday with uh, remembering the life and leadership of Martin Luther King. And obviously in the last year, we've all been reminded that uh, of the battle against racism that still is out there. Then on Wednesday, we inaugurated a new president of our country and were reminded of the battle and the differences and political lines and how it's kind of reached an all-time high. Friday, it kind of went almost unnoticed by a lot, but Friday uh, was the, if I'm doing my math right, the 48th anniversary of the Roe versus Wade decision. Uh, and legalizing abortion. And that's not a political issue, that's a moral issue. Uh, and we've got to deal with that. But many of us today, here's, here's kind of what concerns me a little bit, is that many of us walk into church or restaurant or wherever discussion we might be, place we might be having a discussion, and we would say that those things really don't bother me. I'm, I'm not a racist or I refuse to get sucked into that hole, that black hole of the political stuff. Are you sure? Really? I I mean, are you really sure that none of that stuff bothers you? Let me, let's think of it this way. Okay. Let's just, I don't don't want to, I don't want to ask you to raise your hands for these next few questions, but just think about them. Okay. Have you ever been sitting at a stoplight and realize that you were having one of these thoughts. There's a, a, a really nice BMW that pulls up next to you at the stoplight. And you're kind of, that's a nice car. And then you look inside and it's like an 18-year-old kid driving it. And your first thought is, must be nice driving daddy's car. That's your first thought. 
Or, or the next light, you, you pull up to the stoplight, and this real old, like, junky pickup truck pulls up next to you. And your first thought is, why don't you get a job and work harder and get a nicer truck? Or, or you pull up to the next light, and as you're sitting in the stoplight, you don't notice the car. You notice the young lady standing on the corner of the street in a very revealing, really tight dress, and you start to think, well... You know what you start to think. And, and then you pull up to the next light, and as you're the second car in line, and the light turns green, and the car in front of you is really, really slow, pulling away from the light. And you're frustrated. And as soon as you get the chance, you gun it, and you pass them, and you look, and it's, it's an older person, and you think they don't even deserve to be on the road. They're a menace to the highways. Or you're at the next light, and... You hear the car coming before you actually see it because the stereo is really loud and the bass is bumping really, really hard. And your first thought is oh, another one of those thugs. And then it gets there and you look over and it's the student minister. <laughs> see, in all of those scenarios... You were just confronted with your own racism, classism, sexism, judgmentalism, favoritism. We all face those things. And last week we kicked off this series about the separation of church and hate. And we ask you this question. Are you willing to put your faith filter ahead on top of your political filter, your race filter, your social economic filter, whatever filter that you need to have. And we're reminded that our identity in Christ comes first and our political affiliation is somewhere way down the list of God's priorities. And it's fine to be a Republican or a Democrat or an Independent, but that shouldn't be, that can't be what defines you. And so last week we talked about behaving with civility and we looked at the encouragement from James in the New Testament where he told us to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry, to behave with civility. Today, today we want to look at what it would mean to act with dignity and love. If you've got your Bibles, I'd encourage you, uh, go ahead and open them to Acts chapter 10. Hold it there. We're going to do a couple other things first. But Acts chapter 10 is where we're going to be able for a, a large part of the morning. Then we'll go to Galatians 2 at the end of it. But we need to understand that we should all be, as Christians, if we call ourselves Christians, if we call ourselves followers of Christ, if we proclaim that that is who we are and, and what we're trying to do, we should be defined by love. We should be defined by love. Jesus told us that in John 13. He said a new command, not just a new suggestion, a new, hey, how about you do this? A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And then catch this part in verse 35. And by this Everyone will know that you are my disciple. You are my follower. Not by, not by your membership certificate. Not by your cool WWJD bracelet. Not by the cross around your neck. Not by the bumper sticker on your car. Not by the tattoo on your arm. But by this will all men know that you are my disciples as you love one another. 
That's what defines us. That's what Jesus said. And it was, it was hard for Jesus to say that, or it was hard for it to be accepted, not hard for him to say it, hard to be accepted in the world that he came in because love was desperately missing from the world that Jesus was walking and talking in. You don't believe that? Here's how, here's what love looked like in that world. In that world, children meant virtually nothing especially if they were little girls in fact in that world if you gave birth to a little girl and you decided that you didn't really want that little girl there was absolutely no legal or moral judgment ramifications if you took that little girl outside the city gates and just left her or if you really wanted to be sure that she wasn't going to come back, you know, if you took her out in the desert and left her to die. And there was nothing legally wrong with that. Wow. Women, women were considered property and totally devalued. The poor, the poor were treated as if they deserved to be poor and were totally uncared for. Racism was actually encouraged even as part of worship. That's the world that Jesus walks into and says, hey, here's a commandment that I'm giving you. Love one another. He didn't say love the little boys more than the little girls. He didn't say love the men more than the women. He didn't say love the rich more than the poor. He didn't say love the Jews more than anybody. He just said love one another. Period. Three words. That's it. See, Jesus walked into that culture and he turned everything upside down. He came to tear down every wall of division. To to break every chain of oppression. But it took time. It took a lot of time. Change doesn't happen overnight. You can think it does all you want, but change doesn't happen with an election. Change happens in here as we love one another. But but God starts to tear down a wall in Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10, we see some amazing things. Now, the church as we know it, the church was established in Acts chapter 2. Forty days, forty days after the resurrection, the church was established. And that's in Acts chapter 2, and some really cool things happen in Acts chapter 2, and the church is established in 3 and 4, and then 5 gets a little weird, a little bit hard when, you know, the Ananias and Sapphira thing. But 10 years later, 10 years passed between Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 10, okay? And up to this point, up to this point, from Acts 2 to Acts 10, every person who would become part of the group known as the way the the followers of jesus every one of those converts to that came from jewish people from people who were of jewish descent and then god starts setting the stage for change in acts 10 we find the story of god sending an angel to a guy named cornelius Here's what you need to know about Cornelius. Cornelius is a Roman centurion. He's a Gentile. Uh, and this, this angel tells him to go and find Peter, who's a Jewish Christian now. And we need to understand, though, that we think we got it messed up 
around our world sometimes. But, but this, this issue right here wasn't just like a black-white issue. Jews and Gentiles didn't even recognize that the other existed. They had no communication. And, and this angel tells Cornelius, a Gentile Roman centurion, to go and find Peter, a Jewish Christian, and bring him to your house. That was scandalous. That was scandalous. But at the very same time that that angel's appearing to Cornelius, God caused Peter to fall into a deep, deep sleep. Some translations of the Bible call it a, a trance, that he was deep in sleep. And he has this dream. And in this dream, this voice speaks to Peter. And get this, remember, he's a Jew. And he shows him the, this sheet with all these animals, animals of every kind, animals that a good Jewish boy like Peter would never, ever, ever consider eating. He shows him these animals in this dream, and then the voice speaks and says, Get up, Peter. Go kill and eat. What are you talking about? What the, what the voice is really saying is, Peter, go have a ham sandwich. Why don't you try some bacon with your eggs? You might really, really like that. And then in down, down, Peter responds in the dream. He says, no way, Lord. I have never eaten anything unpure or unclean. Now, we know that Peter's this outspoken guy, right? Everything about him is he's like, boom, right on it. I mean, anytime you put the word never after I've, yeah, that's a dangerous place to be. Like, you, come on, never. I mean, no, Peter, like, I've never done that. I wouldn't do that. I'll never eat anything good. Just like when he said, I'll never deny you. All right. Peter still struggles with that stuff. He says, no way, Lord. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. Now get what the voice tells him next. Cause this is critical. This voice speaks to Peter and says, Hey, Don't call anything impure that God has made clean. Now, in the short term, that's very confusing. That's very confusing to a a good old Jewish boy. Very confusing because that's not what Peter has always been taught. But here's what you got to understand. The really important lesson in what was going on there was this voice wasn't speaking about animals. It was speaking about people. God's starting to set the stage for change. And then God says, it's time for things to change. Peter wakes up from this dream, this trance, and he hears this knock at the door. And he goes to the door and Cornelius, the, the Roman centile, or Roman Gentile centurion, has sent three guys to come and get Peter. And Peter has never in his life been to a Gentile's house. But God told him to go, so he went. Went across the tracks, so to speak. Verse 27 tells us that when Peter got there, he found not just Cornelius, but look what it says, a large gathering of people. 
It's like, God, what are you doing here? I, I didn't, you know, I, I went across the track and this is not just a Gentile. This is a house full of Gentiles. I'm the only non-Gentile in the room. What are you trying to teach me here? What are you doing? He's Peter is totally out of his comfort zone. You know what I've realized is that when we get out of our comfort zone, sometimes we say things that we mean to come out one way, and they don't come out the way we mean them. And, and, and if we're not really careful, some some of the things we say when we're outside of our comfort zone can come off really offensive. That's what Peter did. That's what Peter did, because if you look, here's the first thing Peter says as he walks in the house. This is his introductory comment to this room full of Gentiles. You're all well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate or visit a Gentile. Oh, thanks for coming. Thanks for showing up. It'd be like walking into a room and introducing yourself saying, I don't usually hang out with black people or gay people or Republicans or Democrats because I'm above all that. That's kind of the introduction that, that Peter makes. But his next remark eases the blow. Look what he says next. But God, God, I didn't figure this out on my own. I didn't figure this, but God has shown me. God, folks, God is trying to show us some things right now. God is trying to show us, and sometimes, sometimes the easiest way, or, or, or actually it becomes the most painful way, but it's the way we had, sometimes things get so bad and so out of line that we are finally willing to open our eyes and say, something about this isn't right. And Peter says, God has shown me that I can't call anyone. Notice it's not animals anymore. That I can't call anyone impure or unclean. But see, the crazy thing about all that is, Peter's religion, his upbringing, and even his political views all backed up the way he had always thought and acted until that moment, until that point. And now through God, through God, something has changed. Look at verse 34, the second half of verse 34 we left off. Peter continues talking and he says, I now realize, I've come to understand how true it is that God does not show favoritism. Remember, that, that's, a, <clears throat> that's a huge statement for a man who grew up believing because everybody else believed that if little girls were unwanted we could take them out and leave them that women were just property that the poor were poor because it was their fault and that it was okay to be racist and not like the gentiles or later to not like the the samaritans or whoever it was that's what he's grown up with and now god has shown him that he god does not show favoritism but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. And Peter, Peter is suddenly looking at the world differently. Let me ask you, what would it take? Or maybe, I'm going to hope, what did it take for you to start looking at the world differently? Peter, he was bold. He's one of the boldest guys we read about in the Bible. He said things like, 
I'll die with you, Jesus. Jesus said, no, you'll deny me. Three times he said, I love you, Jesus. And Jesus had to keep saying, well, then go feed my sheep. Don't just talk about it. Go do it. Don't just show up for worship in your house of worship, wherever it might be in this world, on Sunday and say, I love you and sing really cool songs and nod your head and and say amen if the preacher says something you really like. Jesus is saying, go feed my sheep. Do it in dignity and do it in love. Then Peter... Peter starts preaching and he preaches this message and tells everybody to repent and be baptized. And now God's saying, now get out of your comfort zone and go preach that same message to everyone. And so then Peter shares the gospel message with those folks that are gathered there that day and they accept and they believe and it's an amazing, amazing, amazing experience. You see, I'm convinced that two conversions happened that day. There was the the conversion of Cornelius and his household. And there was the conversion of Peter's heart. To love one another. You see, but God just doesn't want to tear down a wall. God wants to tear down all the walls. Evangelism and discipleship are never easy satan's not gonna let it be easy and, and so we see that play out here and, and news may not have traveled as fast as it does today they didn't have internet nobody was tweeting what peter was saying or what was going on according to his house but the word spread the word spread and it says the brothers the brothers the other jewish christians they heard the news and let's just say they ain't buying it they're not buying what's going on now in fairness to them they didn't have the dream that peter had they didn't have the visit from cornelius's servants to knock on their door they weren't there in that room full of gentiles like peter was to see what was going they didn't have the experience but still they're not buying it and so when peter goes back this is in uh, acts 11 verses 2 and 3 peter went up to jerusalem and the circumcised believers criticized him underline just think about that here's the deal peter comes walking back in and 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 he says guys you're not gonna believe this well they'd already kind of heard he said like we these we were i was in this house and everybody in the house heard the message of jesus and everybody in the house believed and everybody in the house was baptized and he's he's like living it up and he's like this is great i can't believe it and he got criticized he got criticized by people that should have been celebrating with him. He got criticized. And they said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and you ate with them? Do you, do you catch what he said? He goes, they're just looking at him and going, dude, you went to a Gentile's house and you ate with them. And now you're telling us you baptized them? See, guys, what we've got to understand is anytime you start tearing down walls, you're going to be criticized. Let me say it again. Anytime, anytime 
Say that with me. Anytime you start tearing down walls, you're going to be criticized. Now, let's fast forward. Fast forward uh, now to Antioch. Antioch's the first place that the people of the way were actually called Christians, Christ followers. It's 300 miles north of Jerusalem, and it's the, the multicultural hub of the day. It's, it's New York, it's Chicago, it's L.A., it's the hub of the day. And even Peter struggles with that new understanding of the gospel when he gets there you can turn over now to the book of galatians chapter 2 and we see this play out galatians chapter 2 starting in verse 11 and paul writes this letter and so a lot of what's going on here paul is uh, at least uh, dictating to someone else who would write this letter down but it's really paul in first person paul speaking it says when peter came to antioch i paul oppose him like this oppose him to his face i didn't tweet nothing i didn't send a nasty message in all caps on facebook i opposed him to his face because he stood condemned and here's why for for before certain men came from james he peter used to eat with the gentiles yeah he did because he had gone to cornelia's house and he'd met some of them and he had said hey the, the, you're my brothers you're my sisters and and he had, had a period of time when he, they were all like getting together their brothers and sisters of christ and he ate with them and then then some of his old school guys showed up remember early in the message we said that the belief of the day was that the messiah came only for the jews so in this new culture, get this, this is crazy, all right? In this new culture of Gentiles possibly, possibly being accepted, they wanted to tell them that they needed to become Jews first so that they could become Christians because Jesus came with the Jews. And so if you weren't a Jew, you needed to become a Jew. And everything about that meant if you were a man, you needed to be circumcised like a Jew so that you could become a Christian. That was their logic that was going on. Not the greatest evangelistic scheme ever thought of. Nevertheless, these men who Peter used to hang out with arrive on the scene and they start dropping these new rules and even bold peter gets scared look at the last half of verse 12 it says but when they arrived he peter began to draw back and to separate himself from the gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group the, the group of his old buddies the other jews joined him in his hypocrisy paul is not messing around is he paul's calling it out so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Notice he's saying your actions are your witness, whether it's good or bad. And Paul even says, and what you were doing was causing somebody I care about, Barnabas, to do the wrong thing. And then Paul really steps into the situation. He says, and when I saw that they were not, look, underline this line. It's in verse 14 of Galatians chapter 2. Paul says, when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel. Let that sink in for a minute. That, that's pretty huge. And since we're being really hard and really honest with ourselves and just trying to deal with stuff head on, 
Have you ever been guilty of not acting in line with the truth of the gospel? I had to go spend some time alone when I read that this week. And kind of repent of the times that I've not acted in line with the gospel. And Paul said to Peter in front of them all, You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? You said we were okay with all of this, and now you're going back just because your old crew shows up. Just because your old buddies show up. It would be kind of like this, if we imagine this. It would be kind of like the high school quarterback or the young lady who's the captain of the cheerleading team who in the days when we actually got to go to school in in those days actually went across the cafeteria and sat at the table with the kid in the cafeteria that nobody ever sat with and it was a really cool thing and it was going well until the football team or the cheerleading squad showed up in the cafeteria and makes fun of them or even worse threatens to not be their friends anymore and they go back to their old way of thinking it's like the white guy that develops a very close friendship with a black guy at work and everything's going great and they feel like brothers until the white guy invites his black friend over to his house and all the neighbors in his all-white neighborhood shun him and stop inviting him to their cookouts. But what if it were like former Republican President Ronald Reagan and Democratic House Speaker from Massachusetts, Tip O'Neill, who rarely ever saw eye-to-eye on fundamental political questions, but respected each other as public servants and and worked to find some common ground across the aisle and still try to get things done. When President Reagan was shot, one of the first people to the hospital was his Democratic counterpart, Tip O'Neill, who not only went to the hospital, but went to his room and sat by his bed and held the hand of his political opponent and prayed for his healing. And and then years later, when Speaker O'Neill died, Reagan led the fundraising charge to build the O'Neill Library at Boston College. And see, God's saying, if we're going to say this stuff is real, we got to live like this stuff is real. And Paul reminds Peter in the Galatians, and he reminds us, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male or female, white, brown, yellow, black, Mask wearer or non-mask wearer, vaccinated or non-vaccinated, Democrat, Republican, or independent. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. That's the power of the gospel. And see, what Paul is addressing here is all the things that we still need to address. He's addressing racism and classism and sexism. And if we're going to step into the truth of the gospel, it may mean changing our hearts and that's hard it's what peter had to do it's what we need to do so how do we do that let's finish this stuff up let me give you two things today let me give you two action points that that i really want to challenge you with this week i really want to challenge if you're at home i really want to challenge you with this stuff this week number one 
identify your own prejudices. Identify your own prejudices. Do your own inventory and identify areas that you may have a prejudice. And I know that it's really easy to say, I don't have any. And even if we think we do, it's hard to admit that we do. But we need to understand what prejudice is. See, you could just break it down this way. Prejudice is prejudging. It's prejudging. Remember those stoplights you were sitting at? Different people pulling up next to you? And do you ever prejudge someone even though you know very little or nothing about them? And maybe in your mind, because of how you were raised and what you were brought up with and the things that you saw, maybe in your mind rich people are snobs. Maybe in your mind poor people are lazy. Maybe in your mind the younger generation doesn't work and Republicans are all greedy and Democrats are all socialists and, and black people can't be trusted and white people can't be trusted. See, these are the fundamental things about the founding of our country. There, there, there's some things that I think we need to hold on to. You know what I think personally is at the top of the list? For me personally, uh, the thing I think is at the top of the list is actually in the Declaration of Independence. Where it says, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men were created equal but listen even as strongly as i believe we need to hold on to that founding principle it wasn't our founding fathers that thought of it it was our heavenly father when he said i'm going to create all mankind in our image that we were all created by Heavenly Father, that we were all knit together while we were still in our mother's womb, as the psalmist David wrote about. And so we need to get past some of these things. But it starts by identifying the things we need to get past. Say what you want. The founders are the ones that were just following a leading from God. And the lack of dignity. The lack of dignity is not defined just by the presence of hate in our world. The lack of dignity is defined by the absence of love because we're to be defined by the way that we love one another. And see, as Jesus followers, if that's what we claim to be, loving one another <clears throat> has to be the highest value and you gotta have the courage to identify your own prejudices second thing i need you to do is intentionally build bridges work really hard work really hard and maybe this week maybe this week you can't build a bridge but you can start laying the foundation you can start digging the footer it's not enough just to identify your prejudice. You've got to build a bridge. And for Peter, it was one thing to confront his feelings of racism. It was another thing to go into Cornelius' house. It was another thing to talk to people who criticized him for that. But he had to intentionally build bridges. I think this is what compels us to be involved in our community and around the world the way that we are. 
It's what compels us to have a together initiative. It's what compels all these flags that are hanging above you. It's what compels us to do some of the stuff that we do because we see ourselves as an extension of Jesus. We're the hands and the feet of Jesus. That's what the Together Initiative is all about. And praise God, it was the biggest one ever. $142,000 it was given at Christmas to get us on the ball, to get us rolling this year as we try to reach out to the world. It's what compels us to have Together partners in 10 countries all around the world. It's what compels us to partner together with every school in Shelby County. It's what compels us to invite dozens of people in recovery from all sorts of things onto our campus three nights a week for different recovery meetings it's what compels us in lieu of what happened 48 years ago in the Roe versus Wade to have some ladies who are willing to work in recovery for women who are dealing with the shame and the guilt of their past abortions it's what compels us to launch a worship service for our Hispanic friends in the middle of a pandemic. It's what compels us to give 13% of our income to advance the gospel through missions and benevolence and outreach. It's what compels us to provide coats and blankets to the homeless through our partnership with local law enforcement and first responders because the gospel compels us to confront injustice, to build bridges to difficult places because every single person has dignity needs to be loved every person matters to God see if we're ever going to experience civility that we talked about last week we're going to have to treat every person with dignity that we've talked about this week listen you don't have to agree with everyone but you do have to see everyone as God sees them as people worth loving on and as people worth dying for it's not only an essential to a civil society but it's an essential if you're going to follow Jesus one of the goals of this series is that you can disagree peacefully and still love unconditionally Here's how Paul wrapped up that, that kind of dialogue when he had to confront Peter about what he was doing. In Galatians 2.20, Paul said, For I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live by faith, I live in him. See, whatever prejudgments you tend to make about people, if you're a follower of Jesus, you nailed that stuff to the cross. You no longer live. It's Christ that lives in you and through you. So God's calling us and saying, this whole thing of, uh, of hate, we got to have a separation of church and hate, and we got to love God and love people, and let's go change the world. Let's do that together. Would you guys stand with me? We've had folks all week. It's been the greatest week. We have people calling us. There's going to be baptisms, and we know of already in both the next services, from people that kind of contact us and say, I'm ready. There's people still signing these membership covenants and say, I'm ready. So if, if you're ready today or if you're not quite sure, if you're not quite sure, I'd love to invite you to come down and talk to Jason or Bradley, T-Rob, Steve, some of our other elders that are in here. If you're ready, come on, talk to them. And I'm just going to keep pounding this 
week after week after week. If you're good with all that stuff, then while we sing, I want you to pray. I want you to pray for a mighty move of God, first in your own heart, and then in our church, and then in our community, and then in our world. And you can do that where you stand. You can kneel at your seat. You can come down here and kneel. It doesn't matter. But we need to pray that God would move in such a way that would enable us to love Him, to love people, and change the world. Let's do something about that right now. Come on. working and he needs soldiers to pray remember the things that jason announced early in the service uh, uh tomorrow is our day of unceasing prayer if you didn't originally get on one on the team with that and you'd like to take 30 minutes between midnight tonight and midnight tuesday morning uh and pray and you just if you would just write down your email and just kind of the general period of the day you'd like to get plugged in and i'll send you an email this afternoon but you need to write that down and hand it to me so i'll know that and i can i can send you something this afternoon and you can join us on that uh like i said all the tickets and stuff from the back but if you're a first timer here today thanks for coming and we're so glad you guys are here. Uh, we've got a big wall out in the lobby that says, I'm new, and we've got a gift for you out there. So please, please stop by on the way out and see those folks out there uh, at the I'm new wall. And whatever you do this week, start building some bridges. If you're at home and you're watching us, wherever that home might be, we've got people from all kinds of states, start building some bridges so that we can love God, love people, and go change the world. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.